This podcast was produced by members of the Pinsker Centre. The Pinsker Centre is a think tank which focuses on global foreign policy while promoting freedom of speech and fighting intolerance. If you'd be interested in learning more about our work, follow the Pinsker Centre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. My name is Lawrence Rosenberg and I'm the Associate Director here at the Pinsker Centre. For those of you who may not know, the Pinsker Centre is a think tank comprised of students and young professionals and we host events centred around international politics and affairs. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the latest instalment of the Pinsker podcast and it's my distinct honour to welcome Sherem Kanar, um, formerly of TRT Haber. Uh, she's written for the New York Times, Foreign Policy and The Daily Beast. Sherem, thanks for joining us today. And was there anything you wanted to open with before we crack on with some questions? Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure uh, being here uh, and talking to uh, the new developments in the region as uh, there's a new pre president in the United States and discuss about how uh, this will change the course in the Middle East. So starting on that topic uh, and looking at the Middle East, um, in recent years, Turkey's relationship with Israel has been rocky at best. How do you see that relationship developing, especially sort of looking at the wider Middle East, as tensions between Israel and the rest of the Middle East in general appear to be thawing? Is there anything that needs to happen from either Turkey or Israel for that relationship to improve, or is it likely to stay the same in the, in the coming years? I think this is a very good question to start with. Uh, because the Turkish-Israeli relations have been more complicated than it has been portrayed in the international media, I think. Uh, we shouldn't forget that the honeymoon of uh, bilateral ties also occurred under Erdogan's rule and um, Turkish-Israeli relations were quite different uh, in mid-2000s. Um, so when Erdogan first came to power, he actually wanted to man ties with Israel, and this came to, to this came as a surprise to many, given Erdogan's uh, anti-Israel political leanings uh, in the past. So he wanted to assume a mediator role between uh, Syria and Israel. Uh, he visited Israel. Um, and uh, actually the opposition in Turkey, the opposition against Erdogan uh, was uh, claiming Erdogan is a crypto Jew and it was all a Zionist plot. Uh, his, his election successes were an international conspiracy. So uh, of course uh, that honeymoon between Turkey and Israel didn't last long uh, and, um, and especially after the Mabi Marmara incident, uh, which happens in East Mediterranean and uh, 10 Turkish citizens has, have died, uh, IDF soldiers were wounded, uh, the relations were severed. However, uh, despite the political tension, the economic relations, the trade relations between these two countries were not harmed. And Turkey is right now as far as I know, the sixth biggest trade partner of Israel. And the economic relations have never been better. 
So I think uh, the leadership in both countries are much more pr pragmatic. And despite all the ideological differences, they realize that Israel and Turkey have lots of interests in common. This is one trade relations, of course, but also Turkey and Israel share similar security concerns. And I think um, Trump administration has tried to change uh, Obama's foreign policy. Uh, and Obama's foreign policy was mainly, uh, it was, it was uh, quite criticized by the conventional allies of the United States in the region. Uh, Obama's foreign policy marked a rupture and alienated Turkey, Israel, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, while with Trump, uh, these three actors, these three, three conventional US allies in the region uh, felt they were at better hands. Uh, so if Biden is adamant uh, in returning to Obama's foreign policy, I think a rapprochement between Turkey and Israel will be inevitable uh, because uh, the possible expansion of Iran is a major threat for both countries. Right. Actually, no, that, that brings me very much onto my next question. So my next question I was going to say, so Iran and their nefarious actions sort of, I think this is something that you probably were about to touch on, it is one of the greatest contemporary threats uh, collectively facing the international community. Um, how do you think we should really approach that issue? Uh, and how do you see Turkey and in, in, in sort of by extension of that Israel uh, reacting to Iran's ever more nefarious actions within the region? Well, yes, um, let's not forget that during Obama's presidency, Iran was effectively ruling four Arab states, Syria, Lebanon, Yemen, uh, and Iraq. And Iran has never enjoyed such privilege and power in the region. Uh, I don't think there were any tears shed for Qasem Soleimani after his assassination in Ankara, because uh, Ankara has always been wary of Iran's aggressive expansionism in the region. Uh, I have traveled uh, with Erdogan, President Erdogan, and the former prime minister of Turkey, Ahmet Davutoglu, to Tehran twice. Both visits were very tense. There was lots of smiling and handshaking, but behind closed doors, uh, the Turkish uh, officials were extremely uncomfortable and vigilant with Iran's uh, policies, especially in Syria and Iraq, but also in Lebanon and Yemen. Uh, but Turkey also agrees to disagree with Iran uh, because, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, Turkey perceives Iran as a threat uh, in, in the region, but also both countries enjoy trade relations, especially uh, when it comes to gas and oil. Uh, so there are certain also uh, agreements between two countries, uh, but I think uh, Turkey is very much concerned about 
uh, about a potential, let's say, Obama's term returning again and these policies returning again. Sort of touching on that again and uh, international relations, I wanted to ask you about NATO. How do you see Turkey's role in NATO developing over the next decade? And do you see Turkey moving further away from the alliance um, under Biden, under the Biden administration? Um, or do you think it will be moving closer towards NATO? Well, it's a two-way street, uh, Turkey's relation with NATO. I don't see Turkey leaving NATO at all. I mean, there have been really some uh, I, I would say low quality commentatorship on Turkey and how Turkey is going to leave NATO, how NATO is going to kick Tur Turkey off. This is not going to happen. Uh, Erdogan is shrewd enough to know that Turkey's security interests are best protected in transatlantic alliance. Turkey is neighboring Syria, not only in North, but also in South after Russia effectively took over Syria. Turkey will be the first country to suffer from any Iranian ex expansion in the region. So despite all the anti-Western rhetoric Erdogan has, he also is, I think, a huge supporter of uh, a, more, uh, a more supportive NATO, Turkey playing a larger NATO, a larger role in NATO. But as I said, it's a two-way street. And we should not forget that Turkey uh, was quite disappointed and frustrated with NATO, especially after 2015, when Turkey shot down the Russian jets because it didn't perceive any support from its NATO allies. And especially when, of course, Russia was becoming Turkey's southern neighbor by taking over Syria, Obama administration turned a blind eye. So all these developments uh, actually taught the Turkish leadership a bitter lesson that they have to man ties with Russia. And so during the last couple of years, Turkey has enjoyed, you know, um, has tried to man ties with Russia and Putin. So uh, I think on many fronts, Turkey is an important asset for NATO. Let's not forget how much Turkey is investing in Ukraine's security, uh, security system. Uh, Turkey's uh, selling uh, so much defense equipment to Ukraine and the relations between Ukraine and Turkey has never, be, never been better. Turkey is supporting Azerbaijan against Russia as well as Iran. Turkey is supporting the United Nations supported leadership in, in Libya, while uh, another NATO ally, France, is supporting uh, the Russia-backed uh, militias. So I think Turkey plays a very important role in NATO, and it can play more if uh, the United States can fill the vacuum of leadership in the West. So if the Biden administration will assume a harsher stance against Russia or Iran, I think Turkey wouldn't be bothered to support these endeavors. 
Right. No, absolutely. And I think something you've touched on quite a lot is, is Turkey and its role sort of in between the East and the West. Um, and it sort of has that role geographically, but also politically. It's somewhere in between the East and the West. Um, do you see sort of you were talking about uh, Ukraine and get better trade relations with Ukraine, but also sort of uh, moving towards Russia as well uh, as a result of necessity? Do you see Turkey pivoting more towards one than the other, so more towards the East than the West, or, or vice versa? Um, and do you think that relationship with the East and the West is likely to change dramatically in the near future? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, uh, the metaphor bridge or Turkey at, at crossroads is used a lot. And I think it's good for Turkey's tourism because you know it's a you know sexy cocktail, a blend between West and East, a bridge between two continents where uh, Islam meets with Westernization, etc. But I'm not sure whether it has any analytical value. Um, Ottoman Empire was a Western Empire. The Ottomans ruled almost all Eastern Europe and half of cent Central Europe for centuries. Uh, but also it was a multi-ethnic and religious empire. It was also a, an Islamic empire. Uh, with the foundation of the Republic, Turkey had a very strict top to bottom modernization, but it wasn't equal to Westernization. Uh, the Kemalist founders of Turkey changed the language, the script, they changed the attire, but I don't think they actually made Turkey a more Western society. That modernization project was an authoritarian one and it caused lots of resentment and disillusion uh, among the masses, the masses in Turkey who were much more pious than the leadership. When AKP came to power, Islam became more publicly visible in Turkey, but also, curiously enough, Turkey is becoming a more secular country. One reason is, of course, this is what unintended consequences is all about, right? Uh, and there's a reaction to Erdogan's cultural policies uh, among the Turkish, especially youth. So the seculars are becoming even more seculars, but also the pious Muslims in Turkey are becoming more secular because their consumption habits are changing. They're integrating into power. They're becoming more affluent. So this is a seismic change in Turkey. And I think it is quite early to judge uh, or to make a final judgment or verdict. But I think uh, what is happening in Turkey is quite organic. I think Turkey is becoming a more secular country. I think Turkey is becoming a more diverse country on the one hand, but on the other hand, it is also uh, always searching for a soul. And um, also, um, there's lots of domestic concerns and domestic tensions brewing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's really interesting, actually. And it, it's interesting as someone that comes 
from a, a Western country, comes from the UK, uh, to hear about the the domestic troubles. And, and when you talk about, you know, searching for a soul, I think, you know, there's a lot of countries across Western Europe as well that are constantly searching for their soul. Something I wanted to sort of pivot towards uh, when talking about searching for souls is the 2016 EU referendum in the UK. And during the 2016 referendum on Britain's continued membership of the EU, um, prospective membership for Turkey was used by the Leave campaign as a reason why Britain should leave the Union. Um, what's your opinion on Turkey joining the European Union? Do you think it's a feasible possibility for the future? And do you think it would even be right, the right decision for Turkey to do so? Well, I think I lived long enough in, in the UK to become quite suspicious of EU. So I used to be a big supporter of, supporter of Turkey's membership to EU. Uh, however, Turkey's, uh, Turkey's EU membership bid turned into a domestic issue in two major European countries, France and Germany. When Sarkozy became uh, the French president and when Merkel uh, became uh, the prime minister in Germany, uh, this was, this actually epitomized the, the reflection of the growing right-wing sentiments in these two countries. And Turkey's membership to EU was no longer a political, no longer an international issue, but it was a domestic one. And uh, at that time, uh, the Turkish leadership, uh, Erdogan, was quite enthusiastic to become a member of EU. Um, and Turkey was ready to, uh, ready, ready to uh, do its homework. Um, however, uh, the membership process was botched and Turkey, I don't think Turkey was really responsible of that. Uh, this, of course, created uh, lots of uh, frustration among uh, Turkey's leadership, but also among Turkey's Turkish public, uh, who used to be quite supportive of the EU project. Now, neither EU nor Turkey wants a full membership, period. And this is not going to happen. Uh, but Turkey will enjoy, I mean, Turkey will remain in EU's orbit. Turkey's biggest part, trading partners are EU members. But it will be like UK-EU relationships, uh, like there's a special relationship. Turkey's a part of EU's orbit, but not a full member. And I don't really think it's a bad idea because EU, um, I mean, look how EU is performing um, during the pandemic, failing to provide any medical aid to its members. The vaccination policy is in shambles. Um, it failed to be a political force, actually cannot provide any coherent and sustainable solution to any global issue. So I'm not sure whether Turkey becoming a member of EU is a good idea anymore. No, I completely understand that. That's amazing. And sorry for any background sound that might have been picked up there. I'm not sure where that's come from, but that's really interesting. And I think all of the points you've touched on are, are immensely um, powerful as well. And, you know, talking about the special relationship, I mean, there's just been a trade deal signed between the UK and the EU and that you know, dragged on over a number of years. And 
you know, a lot of different places talk about special relationships as well. Sort of the UK and, and the US is one where a special relationship is, is referenced quite a lot. But um, I think that's just about all we have time for. But thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you today. You've given some really detailed uh, answers about some issues which I'm sure many of our listeners would have never heard anything about before, especially domestic Turkish policy and, and cultural values. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And this has been really brilliant. So thank you. Likewise, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And thank you for the clever questions you asked. It's a, it's a real pleasure and we, um, we really enjoyed that.